Hey everybody, David Chudik here. Um, at the time of recording this, I have a little bit of a cold, so I'm not sure how bad my voice sounds, but the show, as they say, must go on. We're trying a little bit of a different format today. So about once a month, I'm going to speak with, just for about five minutes, a nonprofit organization leader. As we talk all the time, how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us. So I want to give our listeners some chances to potentially support nonprofits that are really changing the world. We're also going to talk about some of the things that you should be doing if you're a business owner and you are thinking about selling your business or you've started the process of selling your business. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Okay, so hey, everybody, uh, we are starting a new segment this month. And we're going to once a month, we're going to talk with a nonprofit organization. So you hear me say all the time that how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us. And one of the great ways to impact the lives of those around us is by supporting nonprofit organizations. So today we have Kelly Ross, who's uh, been a friend of mine for quite a few years, and she's a great person. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the nonprofit where um, where she directs. So hey, Kelly, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And um, yeah, so how long have you been with Collins uh, Collins Home for Children? It's, has it been a year? It's been two years? No, I can't keep track. No, it's been uh, just since September of this year. Okay. Um, I have been blessed enough in my life to serve at three amazing nonprofit organizations, but I am so glad to be back in Oconee County. Uh, this is where my roots run deep, and I am glad to be back. So tell us about... Collins home. I know that a lot of times, you know, people may just have misconceptions on what organizations do. So give us the kind of the cliff notes versions of, of Collins uh, ministry. Absolutely. So Collins home has actually been a nonprofit here in Oconee County since 1980. So we're rolling into our 44th year of doing ministry here. And ultimately, we aspire to see children and families flourishing in Christ-centered homes. And we do that by providing shelter to children, strength to families, and stability to our community. Um, and most of the time when people think about Collins Home, they think about the sheltering part. And they understand that we provide shelter to children. But what they don't understand is necessarily how children find their way to Collins Home. And a lot of times, uh, just like the, the ministry of Collins Home was birthed in the heart of Joanne Ann Rackley, Basically, they around their kitchen table were discussing families facing hardship and how could they make a difference. And we've been doing that. We've been providing shelter and services to families facing hardship now for 44 years and love what we get to do. What what type of hardships are, you know, are the families that you serve or are they typically facing? Sometimes it's homelessness. Currently, of the 17 kids we have residing here on campus, 10 are facing homelessness. And um, what age range children do you do you have now? Wow, or, or so can we're, you, can you handle? 
Yeah, so we're licensed from birth to age 21. Currently, our youngest residents are 18-month-old twins, and our oldest resident is 17 years old. So we have a broad range of those we provide care for. Um, but it's not just about homelessness. Sometimes it's about behavioral issues. Sometimes there are fam family dynamics where maybe a parent loses a job. Um, so there's a wide variety of reasons uh, families come to to Collins home. And how many how many children can you serve at any one time? Like what's your max capacity? Yeah, so max capacity is 21. Um, but that would assume that all of the children are older children, you know, yeah, um, sure. teenagers or above. Currently, we're at capacity with 17, um, just because some of the children we have currently on campus are younger. What are some of the future aspirations of, of Collins Home? Are there any growth plans, any, any changes? Tell us a little bit about kind of the, what the future looks like for your organization. Yeah, so currently here in Seneca, we have 26 acres. And on this campus, we have a boys' home, a girls' home, and a family enrichment center. And we've been serving children now for a really long time. And what we recognize is that a child is not grown up at the age of 18. I know you yourself have teenage children. And I'm not just grown because... up yet either, and I'm a lot older than 18. <laughs> So just because a kid ages out of foster home or a group home, it doesn't mean that they're a fully functioning adult. And so our passion is to see this 18 to 25 uh, year old age group flourish as well. And what we want to do is we want to come alongside them by providing a tiny home community here in Oconee County um, that helps them either in their early career you know, maybe they're uh, out in the workforce and they're that 18 to 25 age. They haven't had enough time to save up money for an apartment, but they need a job. They need a place to live and they still don't have the family support that they need. Or maybe they're in college and they're pursuing education. So how can we come alongside them? And right here on our campus, we've got plenty of space. We've got a board of directors and a staff who over and over again have seen children age out of Collins home or age out of foster care. And we want to be a part of rewriting their future. We want to be a part of teaching them independent living skills and really making a deeper impact in the community. So we have listeners in Oconee County. We have listeners all across the country. Um, for people that are local that want to support your ministry, what could they do? And then if there are people who are not local that are just thinking, you know what, this sounds like an organization that I would like to support because um, you know, there are children, young adults that just need help. How could they support you as well? Yeah, I like to call that pray, engage, provide. So we are looking for people who can come alongside us, number one, and pray. Um, the children who come to all, us have all faced some form of childhood trauma. So remembering them, remembering our staff who provides care for them, that's a huge, a huge benefit. Engaging. If you're here locally and you'd like to volunteer with us, just go to our website, collinschildrenshome.org. And on there, there's information about how you can be connected as a volunteer. Sometimes we have volunteers who just come in and read with our kids. Most of the kids who find themselves at Collins Home are what we call um profoundly behind in their education. So having tutoring, having people who can just come and read with them, a huge benefit. And the last is provide. So you know, when I came to Collins home, I was like, 
Let's figure out what it costs to feed a kid for one week. Let's figure out what it costs to provide the clothing for a quarter. And the reality is it costs about $50 a week to feed one child. When you have 17 wow. kids on campus, you do the math, it adds up pretty quickly. Um, and so we're looking for people who will do something as simple as provide $50 a week. Um, maybe you're thinking, hey, I would love to be a part of uh, providing clothing for a child. For about $250 a quarter, you can provide clothing for a child. Um, and then if you're thinking, man, I, I could do more and I want to do more, uh, for about $3,000 a year, you can provide one full day of service here at Collins Church children's home. Okay, so if that tugged on your heart a little bit, go to www.collinschildrenshome.org. You can learn all about the organization. You can learn what the current prayer needs are. You can engage with families. You can provide. You can donate and possibly even learn how to volunteer. So www.collinschildrenshome.org. And I do thank uh, Kelly Ross for being on the podcast today. Well, that sure was an interesting conversation with Kelly Ross. I am going down to Collins Children's Home next week to see how I can support the organization. Okay, so let's move on to a little bit of a more traditional financial topic, and we're going to talk about selling your business. So many business owners have it in their mind that at some point in their life, they'll sell their business, and the proceeds from the business will fund their retirement and their future lifestyle. Now, in many cases, this is true, but there are a lot of things to consider, so I want to go through a few of them with you, and I also want to give you some resources that can be tools that can help your thoughts processes. So the first one, if you're thinking about selling your business, is to understand your motivation, understand your why. That whole Simon Sinek book, Start With Why. So understand why you want to sell your business. Is it for retirement? Are you interested in pursuing other opportunities? Are you overwhelmed? Is your industry on a downturn? But really know why you want to get out. Sometimes you're just going through a, a, a rough patch and, and there are some, some ways that you can fix your business. And other times it really is is time to get out. So if this is something that you're thinking about doing, I would encourage you to take the pre-score. That's a personal readiness to exit score. And you can access that by going to www.weeklywealthpodcast.com slash pre-score. That's P-R-E-S-C-O-R-E. It'll take you just a few minutes and it gives you some thought-provoking questions on why you might be interested uh, to, in selling your business and are you ready? Oftentimes people sell their business and then they're bored because they lose that purpose. So you got to make sure uh, that you're going to be able to replace your time and replace your purpose after you sell your business. The next thing to do is determine like what is your business worth? Now, we probably all overvalue our possessions. So if I was going to sell my car to you, I probably think it's worth more than the market thinks it's worth. That's just the way life is. So when you've put your heart and your soul into building your business, you've worked late nights, you've taken on debt, you've had all of the struggles of business, and of course, you've had the successes, maybe you don't have an accurate assessment of the potential selling price for the business. 
So know what your business is worth. Um, this is where you can do a professional business valuation if you're really kind of getting into the meat and potato stages of selling your business. Uh, it's not just about how much revenue you, you generate. It uh, factors like your market position, your assets, your liability, how much you pay yourself, how much it would cost a business owner, uh, the buyer to replace you. So there are a lot of different factors involved with that. So of course, I have a tool that can give you a range of values of what your business might sell for. So this is not a certified business valuation, but it is a really good starting point. And it'll also give you uh, some advice and, and point out some of the areas that you can improve if you want to help your business to sell for a higher price. So go to my website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com slash value builder score www.weeklywealthpodcast slash value builder score. It takes 10 to 13 minutes. Uh, the, the questionnaire asks you some questions about your business. It'll give you some areas that can improve, and it will also provide a range of value of what you might expect to sell your business for. The next thing to do and, and start preparing are your financial records. So when it comes down to it, a buyer really is buying from you the assets of the business, so like the physical assets, but they're also buying what they believe the future cash flow will be. So they need to know what your current financial reality is, and the only way to do that is by having accurate financial records. So if you're a big business, um, you may consider getting a certified audit by a CPA firm. But if you're a smaller business and if you've been doing your own books, you might want to go back with your bookkeeper or your CPA and make sure that things are accurate so that the, the potential buyer will know what they're buying as far as revenue, as far as expenses, as far as what you're paying yourself, and all of those sorts of factors. You also need to partner up with a good attorney that specializes in business sale. Uh, you may partner up with a broker and you should partner up with an accountant to talk about some of the legal and tax implications of the sale of your business. So just because you sell your business for $10 million, wouldn't that be nice? You're not going to really walk away with $10 million. There are going to be broker fees. There are going to be significant legal fees. And, and lawyers don't work for free, but their, their services are so valuable. And you're also going to have your CPA calculate what your gain on the business is. And you will have some taxable consequences if there were gains. So knowing your tax and legal implications to uh, the sale of the business will help to eliminate any major surprises that come after the sale of the business. Another factor to consider is what do you want to happen to your team if you have a team? So in some cases, the deal could be structured that some of your key employees or key team members stay on board. Um, in other cases, the owner who is selling the business will put aside X percent of the proceeds and divide that amongst the, uh, the key team members because they know that they could not have done it without the team members. So just think about, do you want to take care of the people that got you to where you are? And if so, how do you want to do that? Do you want to help them to negotiate higher salaries with the new buyer? Do you want to give them a lump sum? Or what do you want to do? And I think it's important to help the people that helped you. So this is an important one for me. 
And then finally, let's think about your post-sale life. What are you going to do? What are you going to do every day? Are you starting a new business? Do you have health issues? What are you going to do and how will you still find purpose in your life? If you're like me, you're an entrepreneur, a lot of your identity revolves around your business. So once that business is no longer there, sometimes people literally fall into depression. So I hope that this was informative to you. I do offer exit planning services to my clients. So if you've ever thought about what it might be like to sell your business in a way to fund your future lifestyle, um, just shoot me an email, david at parallelfinancial.com or take that value builder score. That would be a good first step. www.weeklywealthpodcast.com slash value builder score takes 10 to 13 minutes. That's a great starting point that can give us some insightful information and it can guide us to whatever our next steps might be. So until next episode, I wish everybody a blessed week. The information contained herein included but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other materials obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. These materials are provided for informational purposes only and should not be used for or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of any future results.